ones who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This 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 is views from Midstream. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to yet another outstanding edition of the Views from Mitch Street podcast, your podcast of choice if you're a Carolina Panthers fan or if you're one of those guys who likes to listen to the opponents. I know we're going to get some Cleveland Browns fans up in this bad boy this week. So welcome, one and all. We're thrilled to have you along for the ride. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show right here in Greenville, South Carolina. And sitting directly across from me, we call him the great one. When he's in a bad mood, he's Lorenzo. When he's in a good mood, like I think he is today, we call him Lonzo. Lonzo Reitzel here along for the ride. And we got a handful of things that we need to take care of in today's pot. We left you in the last episode halfway through the full season preview for the Carolina Panthers. We went games one through nine. We got you through the, uh, I believe, Buccaneers, no, Panthers-Bengals game I think we left off at. I probably should have double-checked that before we started the pod. But, hey, whatever. We're here. We're doing it all now. So we'll get you the back eight games. Then, coming up in just a handful of minutes, it is time for our week one preview. The Cleveland Browns invade the bank. Baker looking for some revenge, maybe question mark, against his former team. And of course, the Panthers are out to set the season forward on a positive note. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. But since we ended the last pod halfway through our season preview, let's pick up how we think the back half of the season is going to shake up for the Panthers. We left you with Panthers Bengals, so it gets us into November. Now, the second game in November is November 10th. That is going to be a game, the second game against the Atlanta Falcons. They will play the Falcons earlier in the year in a Halloween weekend showdown that we talked about in the last pod. They get the Bengals in the middle and then they turn around just, what, 11 days later and they come back to the bank in order to bring Marcus Mariota, question mark, and his Falcons into town to continue the NFC South rivalry. And, you know, we kind of already broke this game down once, but obviously that one's going to be in Atlanta, arguably the least intimidating home field advantage in the NFC South. Over the last couple of years, it has been one of the least intimidating home advantages in the National Football League because Falcons fans just don't show up. The Panthers fans, I'm assuming, will show up in greater numbers at home, assuming the season is going as well as we hope that it will when we get to the end of the year. Hey, look, this game basically comes down to two things. Like a handful of others will. Can you get to the quarterback? Can you get to Mariota? Can you disrupt Marcus Mariota and the Falcons offense? And if the answer to that question is yes, I think you got a pretty good chance at winning this thing because theoretically, the Carolina Panthers should average more points per game than the Atlanta Falcons do. Question is, can you slow down the Falcons offense, rattle Mariota, get a couple of turnovers? But I got to think... The Panthers are good enough to go two and zero against the Falcons this year. Yeah, here's a, you know when you when you go down the schedule in, in, in any sport, 
and it's your team, and you're looking, okay, this is a gimme, this is a gimme, this is a gimme. This should be a gimme both games against Atlanta. It should be victories for Carolina. Hopefully they don't think about it that way as a team. They go down and play as hard as they can. But as fans, you got to look at it and go, there's no way they lose to Atlanta. There's a reason why Mariota hasn't been a starter uh, for a long time, and he's coming in replacing Mark uh, Matt Ryan, rather, and uh, you know Matt Ryan was a lot better than people seem to uh, to remember, and they're really going to notice that when Mariota's out there. I absolutely think so. Let's look ahead to the very next week. Of course, after the Falcons, they will follow that one up with a road trip up to Maryland when they head to Baltimore and take on the Ravens. This one's really interesting because I genuinely think. The Baltimore Ravens are kind of a tough team to get a feel for coming into the season. Obviously, right now, it's kind of a weird spot to break down because Lamar Jackson wants that cheddar, baby. He wants Deshaun Watson guaranteed money. The Ravens have been thus far reluctant to provide that guaranteed money to Lamar. Now, We are recording this on Thursday. Lamar said earlier today that... You know, he had said a couple of weeks ago that if they didn't have a deal done by week one, that he would push pause on talks for a contract extension, which could theoretically open up to him switching teams after the season concludes. But he said today that the week isn't over yet, right? Somebody asked him earlier today after practice, you know, it's it's Thursday. You said week one starts. You're not talking anymore. And Lamar very quickly shut that talk down and said, yeah, but it's not week one yet. The week is not over yet. So, you know, if he gets that deal done between now and Saturday and you got a very happy Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, it might be one thing. You also run the risk that Lamar Jackson is playing for that guaranteed money, right? He understands he's got to go out there and kill it. The second thing that's interesting about Baltimore Remember last year going into week 12 of the season, the Baltimore Ravens were the number one team in the AFC. They had the AFC first round bye last year. Then they went into week 12. They lost by a point to the Steelers. They had at that point a laundry list of players that had left that game in the previous two weeks with an injury, including Lamar Jackson, who would go down a week later against the Browns with a season-ending injury. The Ravens were a threat to win the overall AFC one seed last year. They're bringing a lot of those guys back. They have changed defensive coordinators. There's a lot of moving parts of this Ravens team, which leads to me thinking, I believe the Ravens are actually going to be a pretty good team this year. They get all those hurt guys back. Lamar is either playing happy with a new contract or angry and trying to earn one. This game on the road is going to be a very difficult task for the Carolina Panthers against the Ravens team that is absolutely a dark horse contender to win the AFC outright. Uh, I think the Panthers suffer an L on the road to Baltimore. You know, more than likely, you're right. I I think uh, something, no matter how good the Panthers are playing, Lamar Jackson on the other side is, is a problem. But... If the Ravens continue with what happened last year, you hope they don't as far as all the injuries they had, which you talked about, especially to their running game. If they have those problems, then the Panthers could be in this game. But more just looking at it right now, this is probably a loss. Then they go a week later back to uh, Charlotte where they will welcome the Denver Broncos in town. I'm going to tell you this. 
this Broncos team might be really good. I know a lot of people are poo-pooing that. I know a lot of people are looking down. Russell Wilson is 33 right now. His play style is a little more aggressive. It's a little more physical than Tom Brady's is, but he's not 40. He's 33 years old, and he's obviously quite motivated. He just got his extension from the Denver Broncos. He has been listening to a lot of people who have been saying the reason he left Seattle is he was just not up to the challenge. I honestly think it came down to the personalities of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll clashing too much. I think Russell, I don't know if he got too big for his britches, became too much of a brand guy, right? We've heard about the less Russ, let Russ cook stuff. He's kind of gotten into the, 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 almost the influencer sphere of football, but he's still a really good quarterback. And the Browns, with Cortland's, uh, Cortland Sutton and a couple of other really good wide receivers. I think Jerry Judy's got the potential to break out after failing to score a touchdown last year. The guy's still got speed and talent on the outside. This Broncos team is underappreciated for how good they might be. I think the Broncos coming into the bank is another loss for the Panthers. See, here's the problem with the Broncos. They're in arguably the toughest division in all of the NFL and the AFC West. They're going to be dealing with high-scoring offenses right and left. And I gotta admit, I've never been a big Russell Wilson fan. I just, I just have not. I've always thought he was kind of overrated. I think he's betting on himself and going to a situation like what Tom Brady and some other guys have done. I don't think he's going to be as successful as everyone else thinks he's going to be. I think he's going to struggle in Denver, and I'm giving the Panthers a win here. Giving the Panthers a win against the Broncos. I'm taking an L on that one. December 11th of 2022, the Panthers hop on the plane again. They go out to Seattle to take on the aforementioned Seahawks. The exact opposite. This team's going to be bad this year. I think that Pete Carroll has, to some degree, lost control of this franchise. There's no reason you let Russell Wilson walk. There's none. It was just an ego thing, I think. And while I am not letting Russell Wilson off the hook, I absolutely think the moving into the branding area of his life has caused some problems. Uh, Ever since not running the ball in the red zone against the Patriots and losing that Super Bowl because of it, the Seattle Seahawks just have not been the same. Seattle still one of, if not the most difficult home field advantages to overcome. The good news is I think I saw the Seahawks over under is set at four and a half games this year. This is not your dad's see a slightly older version or a slightly younger version of use Seattle Seahawks. Carolina ought to go into Seattle and get a dub here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But when, when Seattle was in their heyday, they had an awesome running game and a beyond that defense. That's what they were able to win with. They don't have that anymore. At this point in the season, who's even going to be the quarterback there? Uh, we don't know. They may not know. So I'm definitely going Panthers to win this game. Yeah, I mean, listen, Geno Smith won the least inspiring quarterback competition of all time, right? Like, the quarterback competition in Seattle was, would you rather me punch you in the right eye or the left? It's going to suck either way. And I like Geno. He's been a phenomenal and deserving career backup. I like Drew Locke just because he seems like a fun dude. 
But at the end of the day, to lose Russell and have Geno and Drew Locke competing for your starting quarterback job, that's a beautiful, beautiful football team. Carolina wins December 11th on the road at Seattle. And that brings us seven days later, the Steelers come a-calling. Another team that's interesting. And here's why. By this point in the season, one of two things is going to happen. Mitchell Trubisky has just been named the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into week one. Mitchell Trubisky, going back to the combine and leading up to the draft, was being talked about a lot. Why? Because Mitchell Trubisky apparently was really impressing some people this offseason with his preparation, with his play, etc., etc., The other interesting thing that was brought to my attention this morning is that Mitchell Trubisky has an NFC North divisional crown. He has won the NFC North. He beat Aaron Rodgers one year for the NFC North. He is not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But what else do the Steelers have on the roster? They got Kenny Pickett, the young man out of Pitt. Right there in the backyard. He's going to have a lot of hometown fans. And if Trubisky makes any mistakes, Steelers fans are going to start calling for Kenny Pickett. So by the time that the Steelers come into town, you're either going to have Mitchell Trubisky, who has solidified his job as the starter for the Steelers, or you're going to have a rook. You're going to have Kenny Pickett coming in with his tiny little hands. That's a joke. And trying to figure out the NFL ropes in his rookie season, taking over the starter job. Either way, the Steelers are going to be okay this year. They're not an AFC favorite. They're not an AFC contender, in my opinion. But they're going to be okay. This is one of those wins that I have circled as a gut-out win. Carolina can uh, win this game at home. But I think unless we know the quarterback scenario for Pittsburgh, it's kind of a hard game to project, what, three and a half, four months out from it taking place. Uh, I am going to go Panthers win this game at home because I think there's going to be a little bit of uncertainty at that point. Because even if Trube is not playing poorly, if Mitchell's playing fine, but the Steelers are out of a playoff spot at that point, I think this is around you make the, the around the time you make the switch at quarterback. Kenny Pickett starts getting some XP to get ready for next year. Panthers should win this one at home. You know, that's a good point. The other thing is Pittsburgh – they always have a winning season. They do. Now, it may be like one above 500 or something like that, but they always have a winning season. They never have a losing season. What are they going to be like at this point? Do they really need a win? Do they got a shot at a wild card? Do they have a shot at actually winning their division? With the quarterback situation, I'm very unsure, especially when you've had Big Ben there forever. And now he's gone. You had a guy that was there forever. And now he's no longer with the team. So what is this team going to be? I I know the coach will have them ready to play. I just uh, I I'm not feeling it for Pittsburgh this year. So I'm going to go with the Panthers here. Yeah, cornerstone of the franchise for a long time. Suddenly gone at the most important position on the field. That's a, that's a big blow. Uh, Detroit on Christmas Eve comes to town. We got a little Christmas Eve action when the Lions visit the Panthers. Listen. I actually think Dan Campbell's done an okay job with the Lions so far. I think that the setup for the season has been okay. I think there's actually a little bit of confidence in this coach from this team. That being said, the Lions are still not a good football team. The Panthers have there. There are probably four to five games on this schedule that I think the Panthers have to win. And this is one of them. 
Yeah, as I talked about earlier, this is one of those that you automatically check as a win, and it's it's going to be a win. I do like Dan Campbell. He's in, he's entertaining. Hopefully he'll get a chance to turn this team around because uh, the, the fan base and the team seems to really believe in him, and maybe they start winning in the future, but just not against the Panthers. Then – January 1st, New Year's Day. We got a little football to recover from the hangovers when the Panthers are down in Tampa Bay taking on the Buccaneers. I'm going to make the hot take projection here. At this point, Tampa Bay will either have locked up or not be able to achieve the number one overall seed, but will be in the playoffs and will have earned uh, their spot in the playoffs. Remember, Only the one seed gets the bye from now on. So being the two or three seed or four seed is kind of irrelevant in the opening round. You're going to be hosting a wild card game. I do think the Buccaneers are going to win this division. I do think that gets them a home game in the wild card. Uh, And then potentially in the divisional series, we'll see what seed they are. I am going to say at 45, Brady does not play in this game. The Buccaneers are not not playing starters, but coasting a little bit here. I'm actually going to say the Panthers go down to Tampa and win the game, not because they're better than the Bucs, but I just think the Bucs are going to surprise people this year with how good they are, unless, and we mentioned this in the last pod, all the drama going on around Brady and Giselle impacts Tom Brady, the football player, but... We have seen Tom Brady, the football player, not be impacted by a lot of stuff off the field in his however many freaking years he's been tormenting the rest of the league at this point. I'm going to go Panthers beat the Bucs on the road, but it's only because the Bucs have locked up a playoff spot at that point and either have or cannot get the one seed. If they're still playing for the one seed, the Panthers lose this game. If they're not, the Panthers win it. All right, I pointed out before, and I want to continue to do anytime I have an opportunity that I don't like Tom Brady. So here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what I believe is going to happen that by this point, Tommy is suffering from bouts of depression from where uh, he couldn't get it done on the mass singer, you know, and it happens to a lot of people. You think you got a good singing voice, you get in there, you give it your all, and you find out not only can you not sing, but you can't dance, and you're stumbling around in a big old goat outfit. And uh, so I think uh, Tampa Bay's out of it at this point. Tommy's ready to go home and pass things up with Giselle, and the Panthers go down and get things done and win this game. No sympathy for the marital issues of Tom Brady and Giselle. No, Bunchen. no, I have sympathy for all that, but I'm saying it's compounded by the fact that he can't sing or dance. And then we wrap it up January 8th, a trip down to the Big Easy uh, when the Panthers visit the Saints to wrap up the season. Another one. I mean, listen, Week 18's wild, right? It, a lot of it is determined by who's trying to earn their way into the playoffs. Last year, remember, the Saints were very much on the cusp of getting into the playoffs. Uh, but at that point, they had lost Jameis Winston. They were they were fighting to try to get back into the mix. And I think this could be the same for this New Orleans team again this year. Tampa's going to win the division. The Saints are going to be fighting for a wild card spot at this point. And I do think that uh, especially with the New Year's gone, the holidays are over. New Orleans is going to be a tough place to play. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but I think the Panthers lose a road game down in New Orleans to wrap up only because I think you are, unless there's an injury to Jameis or some of it, it's a good receiving team. 
It's a team that's going to be able to move the ball. And I think at this point, the Saints are going to be fighting and scratching to earn the way back into the wild card spot. And if that is the case, I think the Saints win at home. So I've got them uh, splitting the season series with the Bucks. If the Bucks don't have the one seed locked up or definitely not locked up, I've got them going 2-0 against the Falcons and splitting home and home with New Orleans. All right. So in this game, by the time we get to this game, we're going to find out that Carolina's defensive backfield is one of, if not the best, in all of the NFL. And so they're going to shut down New Orleans and their receivers. And uh, they're going to win this game. It's going to be a close one, but they're going to win this game. So there you have it. Season preview. If you are listening to this episode and have not listened to the last episode of Views from Mint Street, feel free to go to your podcast provider of choice, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, or on the Odyssey app. And make sure you download and subscribe to the last episode of the Views from Mint Street podcast to catch our projections for the first half of the season. All right. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. It is week one of the National Football League. It is time for week one. The Panthers open it up at home in the bank this Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm kind of interested in this game, Alonzo, not just because it's week one, not just because of Baker Mayfield, but because I think this is a really, really good opening test for the Panthers. Let's start with this. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little taken aback, but I want your thoughts. I told you guys the last couple of weeks that I thought week one, Carolina hosting Cleveland would likely be the biggest game of the early window. There are a couple of ones that are in there that are a little interesting. New England-Miami is a divisional matchup. Uh, Lamar getting his season going with or without a new contract is at New York. He'll get a chance to put some fantasy numbers up. I thought Cleveland-Carolina would be the premier matchup of the early early slate on Sunday. Turns out, CBS, who had the option on this game, is going for the vast majority of the country with Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Now, if Kenny Pickett's starting this game, maybe I'm a little more intrigued in it. I am intrigued in Mitch Trubisky. We talked about that in the last segment. But I'm a little surprised that Bengals hosting Steelers is the game that CBS has decided to go national. I mean, I know that, you know, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Dallas, and maybe Chicago are the three or four teams that have like a like a nationwide audience that any time, you know, Dallas gets all the primetime games for that reason. Pittsburgh gets a lot of the primetime games for that reason. I really thought there there might be more interest in in uh, Baker Mayfield hosting the Browns on the revenge tour step number 1. But I guess not as they're going Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Either way. You know, you know what it is. It's Joe Burrow. I, I, it's the interest in Joe Burrow and the fact that it's a division game and that these teams uh, sometimes get a little chippy. Sure. Which is entertaining for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, and Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow, he was already a star, but he really – uh, solidified himself as a star in the NFL last year, and I, I think it may come down to star power. Oh, no doubt. Listen, Joey Swag showing up at the pressers, looking the way he looked, rocking the way he rocked, talking the way he talked, especially running up to the Super Bowl last year. 
think a lot of people kind of put Joey B in that camp of guys that don't play for my team that I definitely root for. And obviously, I mean, as many Pittsburgh fans nationwide that want to see the Steelers uh, succeed, there is a, a pretty solid number of, of fans of other teams that are going to tune in to watch them fall to the Bengals. Either way, irrelevant doesn't matter. The only thing that is going to matter in this one is going to be what John, uh, what uh, Baker may. I keep wanting to say Johnny Menzel for no reason at all. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't do that. I mean, you could do that to Cleveland, but problem. don't do that to the Panthers. I have watched Cleveland run through so many quarterbacks over the past decade. I, back before I moved up here to the Carolinas, when I lived down in Florida, I actually had a buddy of mine who was a, a Browns fan, Kellen. And the, he started as a joke one day. Uh, I, I had a, a in my garage kind of a sports cave set up. And on the side of my beer fridge, he came over one day and he wrote down on a piece of duct tape that he taped to the side of my fridge the names of all the quarterbacks that the Browns had had over the years. And, I mean, it was two feet long. And then he came over, and and I, I don't remember. It may have been Johnny Menzel. I don't remember, but they came up with one of the quarterbacks, and he was like, this is the guy. This is our guy, right? Like, this is the guy that's going to end this streak. I can stop adding to the taped list of names on your fridge. And then it didn't work out, and he had to scratch that name out and write another one and then scratch that name out and write – so whenever I think the Browns, I just immediately come up with a thousand failed quarterback jokes. And my favorite one is that they finally found a quarterback, Zoe, who did not fail in Baker Mayfield, and then they just let him go. They let him go. Said he was not mature, was not an adult, and they let him go. And that immature adult is on his way to facing that team this Sunday. Can't wait. Can't wait. So let us... Without any further ado, get into this game a little bit. And I will open with, I I don't know if it's a surprise or not. The Carolina Panthers open as a two-even favorite in Vegas. They are minus two on the spread, minus 121 on the money line. The Browns are plus 105, so just over even money, which means, obviously, that Las Vegas takes an ever-so-slight tilt. Keep in mind, it traditionally in the National Football League, you get three points on the spread for being the home team. Traditionally. It doesn't always work out that way. But the rule of thumb is that if you're at home, you get three points, right? If that is accurate here, if Carolina's getting three for being at home, that actually means Vegas thinks the Cleveland Browns are better than the Panthers And the Panthers just get a nudge of an edge because they're going to be at the bank. And I will tell you, if this is week 13 of last year with some of the crowds I saw at the bank, not to take a shot at Panthers fans, but it is what it is. got to be honest with each other. If this is week 14 of last year with some of the crowds I saw at the bank, I think the Browns are probably one-point favorites here. I probably don't, but it is week one. There is hype around Baker Mayfield. There's hype around the return of run CMC. There's hype around this receiver core that maybe five guys deep at this point. And I think the bank is going to be pretty packed up and packed out on Sunday. I am still debating picking up a ticket off the secondhand market and heading the two and a half up to Charlotte to watch this game. I I, I may pull the trigger on that tomorrow or Saturday. I think the bank is going to be hype, and that's where you get the difference here. 
with Jacoby Brissett, and and I want to know the answer to this question, how are the Browns only a two-point? How are the Panthers only a two-point favorite with Baker at QB against Jacoby Brissett? I don't understand it. You know, there's a there's a national narrative that the Panthers are going to be really, really bad as far as national media goes and things like that. But if you if you watch and you listen, there are a few people who see some things that maybe we see and are pointing out that the Panthers are going to be sneaky better than what they think. But when it comes down to it, it's quarterback versus defense. And last I checked, Carolina's defense was pretty good last year. So they're they're thinking Jacoby Brissett is going to lead Cleveland past the Panthers. I I just don't get it. Let me give you another interesting thought here. Uh, two of them actually. First off, the over under on this game is forty one and a half. That means that they think that these teams are going to play a game to the tune of twenty one twenty, twenty four twenty one. 2420-2017 somewhere in that ballpark. I got to think Carolina's putting 24 on the board by themselves. I don't know if Cleveland helps with the total. I'm not touching the over under on this game. I don't like it. Uh mainly because I don't think the Browns are going to score enough points to hold up their end of the deal. But the second interesting part about this is I am looking at bettingnews.com who tracks Vegas bets, right? They track Vegas bets on the on the on the uh, plus minus line. Carolina minus one twenty, Cleveland plus one hundred five, right? That means Carolina's got a slight tilt. The Vegas bets are split 50-50. That means that Vegas betters are agreeing that the uh, the Panthers have a slight edge when it comes to that. Here's what's interesting on the spread line. At plus one and a half, not two and a half, at plus one and a half, which was the opening line of this game, at plus one and a half, 75% of the money is coming in on Cleveland. That means that Vegas betters think Carolina wins this game by a point. Because when you give them the point in the hook, the one and a half, the betters are going overwhelmingly with the Cleveland Browns. So, so is this anti-Carolina or just anti-Baker? Because I'm thinking this is anti-Baker. I almost think it is. I, I think it's a combination of both. I think that there are some fo- – I don't think the public has animosity against Baker Mayfield. In fact, I think because of what happened I don't know, man. I've, I've heard some stuff on some shows no, 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 no. Where, where people are echoing what they've heard. I, so, so, so you and I have both done this for a long time, and – What I have found in this job is that a lot of callers, a lot of people who listen to your show regularly, more often than not are going to agree with your takes. They just kind of follow you down the road. And that's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. I think Baker won a little bit of sympathy, not just because he left the Browns, but because of the, the comments from Cleveland's front office on the way out of the door, right? That we need an adult in the room comments. But Vegas gamblers do not gamble on sympathy. They don't gamble on heart. They don't gamble on emotion. They gamble on what's going to make me money. When you are talking on the plus minus line, right, on the money line, Carolina and Cleveland are splitting money here. But when you give Cleveland a point and a half, 
which means they can lose by one and still win the bet for you. 75%, three out of every four bettors, according to bettingnews.com, are going in on Cleveland. And the over-under at 41.5, 50-50. The bets are split exactly evenly, according to bettingnews.com. I just, I, I find those numbers interesting, and I don't agree with them. I am in the 25% that at minus one and a half still takes Carolina because I think they win this game out outright. I'm not touching the over-under, but even at minus 120, I think I'm probably going to pr- play the spread because I'm going to get a little bit better return on my gambling money here. But even at minus 120, I'm still taking Carolina. I am trying to figure out what the betting public sees that has 75% leaning Cleveland's way when you give them a point and a half. That's it's, weird. It still comes down to Jacoby Brissett. Now, I, I agree. I, obviously, Cleveland's going to have a really good running game, and the Panthers have uh, uh, have been susceptible to the run. But Jacoby Brissett is not going to beat you. He, he's not. So they're counting on it's got to be anti-Baker, and they're counting on Baker having a bad game. All right, let's take a look now at the actual game itself. We talked a little Vegas numbers there. Now let's talk about what we expect to see. And listen, if you asked me to circle what is the most important element of this game, ladies and gentlemen, Icky versus Miles. That's it. That's it. In fact, Icky v. Miles, Icky slash Brady slash Miles on the left side, I would argue is the game. That is the game. It comes down to Icky versus Miles. If Icky and Brady can keep Miles Garrett from roughing up Baker Mayfield and give Baker time to throw the ball, the Panthers ought to win this game easy. All right? I think they're that much better than the Browns offense. I still would have a little concern about Clowney because he still has the ability to get into the backfield, but I, I completely agree with you. I don't disagree. In fact, I think the I think the Cleveland Browns defensive line. I really think their their front seven is actually uh, is actually underappreciated as it stands right now. You got Garrett at the left end, Jadavion Clowney on the right. Uh, although the last I saw, Jadavion Clowney did not practice this week. At least has not yet, and is listed as questionable for the Week One debut against the Panthers. You may not have Jadavion Clowney, in which case Alex Wright would step up and take that spot. You got Jordan Elliott at the left tackle and Taven Bryan at the right tackle as they run a 4-3 defense here. This game, in my opinion, Lonzo, uh, you know, as we get deeper, you'll find out how those of you listening to the pod will find out I analyze games different ways. This one, to me, comes down to can the front line of the Panthers offensively get it done? Can they keep Baker upright? Can they give Robbie and DJ and Shy and Terrence and these other guys time to develop routes? And if the answer is yes, Carolina Panthers ought to win this game and they ought to cover the spread quite easily. But if Garrett, Elliott, Bryan, and question mark, clowny question mark, are able to bust up the offensive line, and there will be growing pains on the offensive line, right? We talked about this in previous pods. But 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 think about this. If you're an Iki Aquanu and you get drafted first round. You make your way to the starting lineup for the Carolina Panthers. You're looking and knowing that you're going to go up against one of the best guys in the NFL on defense. If you hold your own there, 
I, I mean, I, and I think he has every opportunity to do so. Uh, is he going to be perfect? Probably not. Miles Garrett is too good. But will uh, will the Panthers slide somebody over to help him? You know, bring a tight end, have a receiver, chip him a little bit, do things like that to where he's not facing him by himself all the time. So, again, I think there are absolutely growing pains going up against Miles for Icky if they line him up uh, on the same side. Now, keep in mind, on the Browns' official depth chart right now, Miles Garrett is listed as the left defensive end. That actually means he'd be going up against the right side of the Panthers' offensive line. And if that ends up being the case, then the majority of the time, you would see Miles Garrett going up against Taylor Moton. Will that be the case? Will they flip him over? Will we see rotation back and forth by the defensive ends for Cleveland? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out on Sunday. I don't know what's changed defensively from last year. But I got to imagine that Cleveland's going to send one of the top two or three defensive ends in the National Football League up against the Rook until the Rook proves that he can hold his own. Now, you said there would be, you know, he's not going to be perfect. Of course not. Very few left tackles in the league are going to be perfect against Miles Garrett. He is a monster. I don't need him to be perfect. I need him to be good enough with some help. I need Brady to know, and I need, uh, whether it's Elfline or Bozeman, I, I have not heard a status update on Bradley Bozeman and whether or not he's going to go. Remember, when Matt Rule gave us the offensive line depth chart a couple of weeks ago, he said that Bradley Bozeman would likely be lining up as the starting center. That was not an official depth chart. But that was who we said would be the center. Uh, however, on the depth chart, as of right now, Pat Fline is still listed as the starting center. Will they say, Brady, we need you to constant pass per left, right? We need you to help double team. We need you to help keep Miles Garrett contained, and we're going to run a lot of shift left offensive line pass pro. Or are they going to trust the Rook until he proves that he can't be trusted and then we'll see guys get shifted around. I don't know yet is the answer. And I don't know if Carolina can know until they see how the scheme comes from Miles Garrett. But that's the ball game. Keep Baker Mayfield upright and you are absolutely good enough to win this football game. If Baker is running for his life, right? And we saw him make some throws on the run in camp. But if he is running for his life, now, all of a sudden, that one-and-a-half point, two-and-a-half point spread looks a lot more reasonable. Well, you also counter this with a good running game. And Christian McCaffrey, if he is as healthy as he looks like he is, if he can come out there and be Christian McCaffrey but not have to do it every single down, uh, get spelled by Chuba Hubbard and, and other guys, and not have to catch the ball constantly, if you have the threat of Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, you cannot just let him go. So if, if you I, – I do hope that – He's not the focal point as he has been in the past where, I don't know, 60 70% of the offense is going through him. If you if you give him like 30%, 40%, that's a good balance. Throw in some other guys. If they have to, if they have to stay honest because the run is working, that, that will help uh, Aquanu and that will help Baker a bunch. And I think people just seem to I'm, – I'm rocking a McCaffrey shirt right now. I think he's going to be back. I think he's going to be healthy. And when he is, he is one of the best running backs in all of football, and that will help you a great deal. So you talk about the Cleveland Browns. The other guy I'm keeping an eye on is Nick Chubb. 
Finished 2021 as the league's second most productive runner. 1,259 yards on 228 attempts. The rushing game of both teams is going to matter. Now, I have seen a bunch of writers, uh, and this is one of the, the, the great cliches in talking football. Every single week, every single game, you'll see media guys who get asked, what's key to this game? And what does every one of them say? Well, I think you've got to establish the run game. Yeah, it's football. Of course you establish. Every coach who's ever co- – Mike Leach will tell you, you got to establish the run I game. Don't, I don't know, man. There's some some teams that barely run at all. And you can look at them and go, they're not going to run yeah, the ball. Yeah, Hawaii, Boise State, not but, in the national but football. But in this case, Carolina and, and, and Cleveland, they like to run the ball a lot. Right. Both teams do. Now – Here's what I am going to say. I mean, yes, you got to establish a run game. I think you got to turn Baker and the and the wide receivers open early. I want to see those guys early. I want to see crossing routes. I want to see digs. I want to see these guys attacking the middle of the field. I want quick routes early, right? What I want to do early is build confidence by that offensive line by having Baker throw out of three tops five-step drops I don't want any seven-step drops I want out of the shotgun three-step drop out of center five-step drop wheel routes quick in slants I want you guys to throw the ball quickly for a couple of reasons number one I do want the offensive line to build that confidence early of hey these guys can't get to Baker right even if it's quick pants it's still good quick passes it's still going to build the confidence but the second thing is Cleveland's defense will give up yards Cleveland's defense will give up yards. Last year, uh, they gave up somewhere in the ballpark of 241, 242 passing yards per game. I'm trying to get Baker to 250, right? I want Baker at 250 and at least one, maybe two touchdowns and use the pass to open up the run, and here's why. I don't want them keying on the run because I don't want them taking cracks at McCaffrey. Now, use Chuba Hubbard in the power roll. Right, Use Chuba in the power roll. Allow them to kind of start chasing him and Deontay Foreman down a little bit. But I want you to use the pass to set up the run so that you can start running end around, jet sweeps. You can start running draws. You can start running play actions off tackle, etc. And you're going to get these guys, this Cleveland defense, to where they can't attack either. I, I, I You got to establish run every game. But give me some some Baker Mayfield quick passes early so that you get Cleveland to pull back off the rush and you open up the field a little so bit. So we're, we're going to disagree on this, and that's fine because uh, that's fun. I, I, you got to run the ball, and here's, here's the reason why you need to run the ball early because that defense knows your quarterback. That defense knows the tendencies of your quarterback. What that defense doesn't know is is the rest of your team. They know the Cleveland defense knows all about Baker Mayfield. They they know they know his eye movements, they know they know his tendencies to shift one way or the other. They know all that stuff. So, if you start out, you come out and you're going all Baker, you're playing right into their hands. Whereas if you come out and 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 go with McCaffrey, go with the running game, go with some other things, then they cannot key on Baker, and then later on, Baker can can come out and do some things. You get them on their heels, and then they're more worried about other stuff that they won't pay as much attention to someone that they know really well. Here's the last thing that I got to ask. How does having Baker Mayfield, does having Baker Mayfield present you 
with an advantage, right? Now, this happens every time an NFL quarterback changes team and those teams get together. He knows the offense. He knows the coaching staff. He knows the the, the schemes, the tactics. He also knows the guys on defense, right? I would say personally. I mean, he knows them, their tendencies, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. You know what? All that's fair. It's, it's fair. You know that team. It's okay to tell everybody on your team, hey, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, right? Yeah. Is it fair? I, I, I will expect that Baker Mayfield was wearing a whistle and a visor and acting as coach this week because of it, right? Like, I expect that he was out there going, hey, if you line up this way, Miles is going to do this, right? If you're playing defense and you shift from the nose to the outside three technique, Chubb's going to do this. This is what's going to happen. Of course it's fair. The question is, does it give you that much of an advantage? Does it give you an advantage? Does it give you an advantage in knowing what these guys uh, have done as tendencies while Baker was there? And my answer would be, yeah, a little. But does that mean that you're going to go in there and change the way you do things? No, you're still going to go out there and you're still going to do what it is that you do. It's an advantage for sure. Carolina's got to go out there and gut this win out. You have to start. You have to start. 22-23 off with a W on Sunday. Not just for Baker, because that's the big discussion. You got to do it for the Panthers as a whole. Set the standard in week one, Lonzo. See, that's the other thing that you just mentioned. Uh, The rest of the team, they know what this means to Baker Mayfield. They hear what he's saying in practice and in the locker room that we don't get to hear. You know this means a whole lot. It absolutely does. This team... We're going to find out if this team is truly behind Baker or not. If they are, and I believe they are, they're going to rally behind him, and they know that a victory for the team is a victory for him over the team that shunned him, and they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. I just, I, I'm really excited that we're just a couple days away from the first game of the season. Ladies and gentlemen, it's football season, baby, which means that you need to make sure that you are following and subscribed to the views from Mint Street Podcast. His name is Lonzo Wright, so my name is Rob Brown. Starting, I don't know, now, we're bringing you three episodes minimum. Three episodes every single week. We will be with you either Sunday afternoon or first thing Monday morning with our reaction pod to the week one game against the Cleveland Browns. We will record a midweek edition on Tuesday to drop on Wednesday. On Thursdays, we will record our upcoming game preview, and then we'll be back on Monday with the review from that game, and that cycle will continue all the way through the season. And should there be any breaking news for the Panthers you need to know about, we will record some short emergency pods when and where necessary. So if you're a Panthers fan, you're probably already listening to this. You're probably already subscribed. But if you just stumbled upon us, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. You can download us on all the major platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Google uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, or off the Odyssey app. Lonzo, any final words for the people? <sighs> Baker! Baker! Go out there and do your thing, man. Keep pounding. It's game day, baby. Tell your friends about us. Tell your Panthers family about us. Tell the guy walking across the street with a Panthers hat about us. We are the home for Panthers talk around the Carolinas and around the United States. He is Lonzo. I am Rob. This has been another episode of the Views from Mint Street Podcast. We'll see you back here on Monday. Keep pounding, baby.